the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I'm delighted to be here and even more delighted that you have chosen to listen because this is a show where every week I speak to leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers to look at ways to improve your driving school and potentially become an even more awesome driving instructor. And today we continue along with that theme with a very special show because I am joined by not one or two guests, but a total of six. That's right, we have got six of the best trainers in our industry, and they are Chris Benstead, Neil Whiteman, Phil Cowley, Emma Cottington, Lee Sperry, and Bob Martin. So six of the best traders in the industry, and I am asking them all six questions, and they all have a maximum of 60 seconds to answer. And we're calling this six for 60. And the questions are all going to be standards check based. The first three are based around kind of the technicalities of a standards check, and the second three are based around the practicalities of a standards check. And there's some real gold in these answers, Some some real insight and knowledge that that hopefully you can take away and listen and not just apply to the standards check but also apply it to your everyday lessons as a driving instructor i had a lot of fun with this one and uh, we've decided we're going to keep the group together uh, as much as possible and hopefully do one every quarter on a different topic well, just before we dive into this show i want to point you in the direction of the instructor newsletter And I'm going to massively suggest that you sign up to it. By signing up, you will get access to all the latest news and going on for the Instructor Podcast and the Instructor Premium and other events such as the Instructor Mega Now, which you may have seen me talk about online or heard me mention on the podcast. So by signing up, you'll get to join in with the Mega Now. You'll get to find out all the, the news for everyone else, as well as getting loads of other information as well, including getting access to any blogs that I release. And the best place to sign up is either by going straight to the show notes for this episode, where you'll find a direct link, or heading over to the podcast www.theinstructorpodcast.com where you can sign up over there so go and sign up you'll get notified of any episodes that come out you'll get loads of news and information including about the megana and i'll do my best not to overly spam you with nonsense but for now let's dive into the show And we're now joined by five of the best uh, instructor and trainers in the industry. I will let you guys work out which one is not in that list at the end of the episode. And you can uh, message me privately and tell me because it'll be a bit means to it publicly. But uh, I am not going to go around and ask them all to introduce themselves because that seems very long-winded indeed. So I am going to fire a question at them to begin with, which they didn't know I was going to ask. However, I want... uh, the answer will be a number, and I want no context. So the question is going to be, if you took a standards check tomorrow with one of my students, what score would you get? That's the question, and all I want is a number, no context. So we're going to start this one the same way we're going to start the first proper question, and we're going to start with Chris Benstead. So if you took a standards check tomorrow, what score would you get? 46. 46. Neil, what score would you get? 49. 49. Emma? 45. 45. Who's next? Lee? 
48. 48. Phil. 46. 46. And Bob. 51. 51. I am fascinated by those answers and so annoyed that I said we're not going to put context on them. Um, <laughs> I sense a second round coming up at some point. So, uh, in a second... To be fair, gonna... I was going to plumb for 48 to 51, but I thought, nah. I, I did phrase it specifically asking what you'd get rather than asking what you're capable of, because I'm sure you're all capable of 51. So, I, I like the answers. I like the honesty. Um, I'm really going to argue not putting context on because we haven't got time. But uh, I'm going to come with the first question in a second, and we're going to do them in the same format so i will fire them at you you guys have 60 seconds to answer you should be able to see the clock when i put it up on my screen if you run over 60 seconds i will mute you um so uh there are some people that will get on better with this and others i believe but we're going to do the same uh circle of people initially and then that will change each time so question number one should the free strikes and your out rule apply to the standards check should the street free strikes under out rule apply to the standards check? So first up, Chris Benstead. Oh, I knew you were going to do that. Um, yes, uh, although there isn't a three strikes on your out rule. They only have to give you one. They do it as a courtesy, which I always think is important to remember. Um, but yes, uh, absolutely. We're about improvement and education in the industry. So we should all be able to improve and be given the opportunity it also allows for nerves because yes we get nervous and we have to deal with that so absolutely seconds wow got to a flyer okay neil same question to you uh if uh should the free strikes in your out rule apply to standards checks and uh, your 60 seconds starts now uh yeah i believe it should be three uh everybody does get nervous and probably falls down on one maybe two but if you're not doing enough trading, you you're gonna fall down and lose all three. So it is a, a, a generous thing that they give us three. So we should really be using one, but no more than one. Oh, I like it. Everyone is well. Say everyone. They're both in agreement so far. Uh, next up, we're going for Emma. So same question: Should the free strikes and your out rule apply to standards checks? Yeah, I agree with it as well. Um, you know, most industries have got some sort of like key performance indicator system, no matter where you work and what you do. So I think with us, we've we've got a really big duty of care to the road and road safety. And if it gets to a, a third attempt, then we've got to start questioning, you know, what's, what's going on. Um, I do believe that it could be, different i do think there should be some sort of thing brought in where we've got to prove that we've done some sort of training in between you know we can literally rock up for all three and not be no different so i think there should be some sort of training compulsory training brought in somewhere maybe between two and three maybe another one voting for uh lee let's come to you same question should the free strikes and your out rule apply to the standards check um, well, it's better than one, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I think three strikes and you're out gives you time to reflect on the job that you're doing um, and gives you time to develop and gives you time to change in between each one. Um, and you can kind of refine, you know, refine how you work uh, in accordance to the standard. 
Um, I think it's a kick up the ass that we need sometimes. I mean, speaking from my personal experience, you know, believing my own hype and thinking how wonderful I was and then failing twice. You know, I, you know, sought out kind of, you know, Bob was right here. Uh, I love you, Bob. Um, oh, man. <laughs> um, you know, I, I sought out Bob because I needed to change, not because I wanted to, but I'm now reaping the benefits of that extra training. Um, and my weaknesses were exposed by the three strikes. So if you're self-employed, I think you sometimes need to kick up the bum. So, yeah. You're going to take uh, 10 of your seconds to, to praise Bob every time. <laughs> How many seconds was that in total? You were 50. You were longest one so far. So uh, we're going to go same question to Phil. Should the three strikes and you out rule apply? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's sort of, of pointless without any consequences like what's the point you could just keep taking them and failing them so you need that consequence and i think also for us to be considered professional as as an industry then there should be a standard there and 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 that's the the dvsa's way of checking our standard um i think i agree with everyone else it shouldn't get to that point if you're continuously training um and improving then then yes nerves might kick in on on one or two maybe but in reality, if you've got that standard, you're going to get there. Um, interestingly, I don't think it should apply to the part three. I think there's enough other restrictions, like the two years and the the trainee license. But that's a different question. I just thought I'd chuck in there because I've got another 10 seconds to talk. <laughs> so, well, uh, I must admit, I like the pointless about consequences aspect of it. That's a, that's a tagline there somewhere. Um, so you'll be surprised to know that it's you next, Bob, and you'll be surprised to know it's the same question. Should the free strikes and your out rule apply? Yes, it should. Um, but I was reading on Facebook today, and I think this is key here. Why do we think as an industry that it's not fair? And I've seen a lot of posts today talking about, well, we need our governing bodies to be, to be telling the DVSA what we want. Well, that's a bit of a mistake we're making there, isn't it? We are governed by the DVSA. They are the governing body and they make the rules. And the reason that it seems wholly unfair is because we're just not very good at it as an industry. We don't understand what the standard is that's required. I talked to an awful lot of trainers who have not read the national standard for driving and rider training. Well, bloody shame on you. We know what it is. They published this information in 2013. And as an industry, we're wandering around with our thumb up our backside and our brain in neutral, unaware of what they're expecting from us. And then we point the finger at them and say, it's just unfair. Great point, Phil, about the part three. There you go. Eight seconds left. Used to be a legend <laughs> in the industry. Um, <laughs> right. So. Uh, can, can I have my 30 seconds back, please? No. Was it, was it a big name? I thought it was a big name in the industry. You just stripped him of his legendary oh, no. status. Used to be. Big name status, though. Used oh. to be. <laughs> I can't, can't follow Chris completely. But either way, um, right. so I do like the fact we've got actually six different answers there. Six, well, you're giving the same answer, but six different responses. So I do quite like that. So let's move on to the next question. Um, we're going to start with you this time. Um, oh, hold on. Uh, you this time, Neil. Uh, if you were in charge, would you keep the current format or change to something else? So let's start that off. If you're in charge, we keep the current format or change to something else? Uh, I think I would change it to a standards check every 18 months in alphabetical order. So we all know where the 18 months is so we can constantly do the training that's required and keep it up. And have some way of marking that of the DVSA have got a visual 
that we are doing that training with whichever audit trainer you're doing it with or you seek out or you you work with but yeah that that's what i would do 18 months standard check i like it okay so we'll go to emma same question uh would you keep the gun format or would you swap it out if you was asking me pre-covid before it all went a little bit array i would probably say yeah because we all kind of knew when it was coming whereas now i think it's it's not as organized which is meaning that there's a lot of adis out there going i'm on year five i'm on year six i'm on year seven and i've not been checked for a while so it's it's leading to that sort of panic so if it was a little bit sort of more organized and a little bit more regulated in in the one in four as it should be unless against the the new um the new checks but i think the only thing i would change is that we have to evidence compulsory cpd every year when we do go so uh next up we same question to you lee would you keep it the same or would you change it um <laughs> if i was in charge of the dbsa um can you imagine that um no. <laughs> i think they'd see me a bit of, as a bit of an outsider so i'd have to go in first day and do something crazy like changing the trigger for serious faults to 0.555 just so they go he's one of us um <laughs> but no i'd keep the the format of the new standard check i think it's way better than you know role plays and silly things like that um i'd make it a yearly thing uh with 12 hours of mandatory training in between so one hour a month with a real sort of expert to keep you current and keep you up to date and keep you on top of your game and I think that would reduce the number of instructors failing the exam because it would be harder for them for their standards to slip. Um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a check of your standards, isn't it? So if you keep them high all year round, then you're not going to be only delivering epic training every day, but you're not going to worry about your standards check. So it would just be your, your next time to shine. Excellent. Uh, I'm keeping a note of things that are going to uh, offend some instructors and, and the role player not being great is, is one of them. So, uh, yes, this list is growing. I quite like it. Uh, Phil, we'll come to you next for this one. Would you keep it the same or would you change it? Yeah, I think the standards checks are a good check and, and test of what of what we do. Um, interestingly, a question later, I found it hard to take anything away from it. So, yeah, it's a good test. I think the system works. Obviously, in an ideal perfect world, we'd have more examiners and we could get tested more and that would would work. 100% agree that CPD should be compulsory. Um, not necessarily, I don't necessarily agree with the hours. I think it maybe should be you have to give evidence of reflection because not everybody learns in the same way. So I think evidence of how how and what you've learned um, would, would maybe be a better system. But yeah, I think we, we need, we need this. I think the system does a pretty good job. We need it there. We're putting, like, we're putting tasks like charge of people to be safe on the roads. Um, so we should be taking it seriously, basically. So, and then we're going to come to Bob. So are we keeping it the same or are we changing it? Yeah, I think I'd keep it the same. I, I quite like the format. And the reason I like it is because it was written by people who understand education. It wasn't written by the DBSA. Um, you know, they had a little team that was together, but it was people first who did it. So they're people who understand how human beings learn. I might think about adding some stuff to it. Not sure about CPD in light of recent events, you know, accredited courses. Ooh. It's a tricky one, isn't it? It's a tricky one. I think you should demonstrate that you're keeping your CPD up, but I don't think the DBSA should tell you who you should do that with. 
Um, thinking about the podcast, I've learned loads of stuff listening to the podcast from people who weren't ADIs. What I might add to the standards check is some extra stuff, like mystery shoppers, that kind of stuff. How are we? How, how well do we deal with customers? How well do we deal with complaints? That kind of stuff. How well do we manage the people that we're helping? I think that would be interesting. Awesome. Uh, potentially another one that's porking the bear there, which is good. <laughs> and uh, Chris, um, are we keeping it? Are we changing it? Um, I would keep it, but I would add uh, to the four-year process, and it would stay as a four-year process, uh, first-year theory, so you have to do a theory test. Second-year practical, you get your driving tested. Third-year would be the current standards check and instructional test. And then the fourth year, free choice CPD, absolutely no restrictions. You can do anything you like. You can go and learn to be a pole dancer, Bob, if you want to. Um, you could do anything you wanted under CPD, as long as you can prove a connection that is going to benefit you as a driving instructor. So, Just doing a Google search on sturdy poles. Get off my 60 seconds. So uh, I would definitely do, do those four things. And Bob gets you know more time than all of us anyway because we have to breathe so that that would be my change um i would make it a four yearly process with those four things in place excellent um i will just chuck in here actually that uh i'm quite proud of myself with how we're doing this so far because i must admit there are some podcast hosts out there that couldn't interact with guests this way because they would have to get their own opinion across every 30 seconds. So this is fun. Um, let's move on to the, just in, uh, the, to keep it with the theme of poking the bear. Uh, let's move on to the third question. And you are going to kick off this one, Emma. So if you had to remove or add one competency from the standards check, what would it be? So you remove or add one competency, what would it be? Can I have change one instead? Yeah. Oh, the one, the one, the one I I have a bugbear with, I suppose, is Comp sixteen, maintaining a non discriminatory manner. Now I get it, I get it that we can't go around banding certain groups of cars or people that drive certain vehicles in that way. I get that, and I also get that we can be, you know, we, we've got to be really sort of maintaining that. But for me. This is more about, I would change and adapt that question to be how we create the environment within the car that affects the environment outside the car. And what I mean by that is that how we deal with our individual learner and how we present ourselves and create that environment should be non-discriminatory anyway. So I would adapt it to the question being more about the environment that we create. The first one to hit the timer. <laughs> Like you get it. marked down for wearing shorts. Who would get marked down for wearing shorts? Anyone. No. Yes. I'm wearing shorts right now. <laughs> you can't be seen. We, we're not marking you down for it, don't worry. It's too hot. Um, although I know which competence to get you on for my Sanders check checklist now, so uh, thank you for that. Um, this is a secret ploy to, to, to tackle who wants to come on. Um, all right, so... Uh, this time we're going to Lee, so let's tweak this slightly. So you can remove, add, or change one of the competencies. What are you um, funnily enough, I'm going with Emma's one as well. Um, did the trainer maintain an appropriate non-discriminatory, blah, blah, blah. Um, not because I think it's worthless, but because I'm a bit of an idealist. And in 2023, why why does that need to be there? Like, 
if you have to be told that it's not okay to don't lurch over your young female driver or uh, it's not okay to comment on someone's sexual orientation or how they identify or make sure you don't air your views on Muslim taxi drivers. It's like, if we need to try and not do that, then why are we on the register in the first place? Because um, if you still think any of that's all right, then you need a different type of check, like a, like a reality one. Register for those people. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on, uh, Bill, um, remove, add, or change one of the competencies. So I, I'm not going to take any away because I, I do think it is. I, I, I read through every single one and I thought, no, I can't take any of them away. And also, they interlink so massively as well. So I think you can't necessarily take one away without taking another three or four. Or the, the ones the guys mentioned, actually, you probably could. It doesn't necessarily interlink with any of the others. Um, I'm going to add one. Um, did the trainer incorporate levels of the GDE matrix to aid the um, learning towards safe driving for life? Um, just thought I'd put a little DVSA <laughs> tagline in there. Um, it, to be fair, it's probably in there in 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 sense of learning opportunities um, and outcomes and stuff like that, but just making it clear in there. And it, it kind of goes against the whole trigger system. Um, so we kind of have these two sort of kind of systems, the trigger system making us test focused and then this and the the, uh, the coaching element um, of the standards check. Uh, so I think I would want it in there to be clear, basically. Stuff. Uh, so we're coming to Bob. You can remove, add, or change one of the competencies. I love the competencies the way they are because they speak to the way people are educated. Some good points on the non-discriminatory, but I just just take out non-discriminatory and it covers it. You know, are you behaving in an appropriate manner? Uh, and as Lee has alluded to, we should. But I have a simple one to add, and it, it sort of ties into the stuff I was talking about before about dealing with customers and being professional. You know, number eighteen, I would add. Has has the ADI stroke PDI behaved like a dick on social media in the last month? <laughs> if so, that should be a trigger. <laughs> be a, a safety critical one as well. Gone. We're not trying to reduce the amount of tests. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, yes, uh, there we go. More people uh, potentially. Probably the bears. Uh, okay, Chris, um, are we adding, removing, swapping, or just leaving alone, I suppose? I'm on the same page as Phil on this one. Uh, I'm going to go GDE based. Um, but I, you know, I think it's, you could actually get the number of points for the level of GDE that you managed to reach. Um, so yeah, you know, it did, did Pete, did they ask a question that actually included the learner and their opinion? in some way and i think gde focus would be a nice way to go because it might get people having a look at other things so so that that would be my my approach to it excellent and then lastly over to neil same question uh yeah that, i think the 17 fit quite nicely so i wouldn't want to take one away or remove one but i would just like to add to the bottom of the sheet and a bit like emma said before is a way of recording the CPD so the examiner could see that as well and mark that down. So it's just another, not a tick box, but a way of demonstrating that you do do CPD. And that that's the way I was thinking. But I do like the GDE bit as well because that shows that you're coaching as well. So, yeah, so it's just add that in for the CPD. 
Excellent. Well, I think all the people who are going to be annoying today, annoyingly, won't listen, which is a, a bit of an anticlimax. But they never do. No. <laughs> um, but there's some good ideas here, actually. So maybe we should uh, tag the DVSA in on this. Um, okay. So we're moving a slight shift now. So we're moving on to the sort of standard check itself to the sort of the practicalities of it. So uh, we're starting with you this one, at Lee, and it's how would you prefer? Can't say. It. How would you prepare for a standards check? So. How would you prepare for a standards check, Lee? Um, I think that a good principle is to sort of always work in a way that you're going to work on your standards check. Like I deal with a lot of people that have kind of they've looked at different ways of doing it and they're trying to tick boxes and they're trying to work in a way that's not familiar to how they work every day and under pressure at the same time. Um, so I think you know if you if you work in a way that work successfully and satisfies the competencies then when you turn up you're just going to turn up and do what you always do and you're not separating the standard lesson to your you know what you do every day um you know i speak to a lot of people that say oh it's totally different to a normal lesson and that's usually kind of i'll read that on facebook after working you know 10 hours or something daft and i sometimes i want to reply and just put that's because you do it wrong every day um but i don't um no if you work in a way that that satisfies the competencies every day, then you're setting yourself up for success, I think. Excellent. Uh, so we're going to go over to you, Phil. I know you were requested a standards check not that long ago. So how would you prepare for said standards check? Yeah, so I was going to describe how I did prepare for that standards check. Um, so I think, first of all, it starts now, like be training now. Um, so never stop training, never stop getting better. That's how you prepare for a standards check. Don't wait for that letter um then you choose your pupil and um choose your pupil based on rapport and the type of the type of level you like to teach um and then go and deliver a normal lesson with them um that, that's exactly what i did i swapped it on the way there we got my lesson plan completely changed 15 minutes before the standard check because the pupil was making mistakes so go deliver a normal lesson i think i'd also in preparation normalize having people sat in the back so get friends adis trainers whatever sat in the back normalize that and if not record yourself because it has a similar effect on the nerves and and, and being aware of what you're saying excellent uh and we're going to go over to you bob now obviously keep in mind that you were the only person that said you'll get 51 out of 51 if you took a standard check tomorrow so how would you get this 51 out of 51 bob but clearly i lied yeah. No, what I would do is, I mean, it's, it's about understanding the standard. And it's, as Lee said, it's about working the way that you would work every day, you know, as, as preparation. And I think some of the other stuff that gets overlooked, make sure you've had the right amount of sleep, make sure you're properly hydrated. We don't take care of this ADIs because we, we don't want to be too hydrated because we need the tidal all the time. But you need to, to, to be... To be performing properly, you must be properly hydrated. If you've got a reduction in your hydration level, your ability to concentrate is diminished as a result of it. So understand the standard, work in ways that match that standard every day. It's really quite simple. Uh, all you need to do is to just message one of the guys that's on this podcast here, and I'm sure we can sort you out. Excellent. Uh, Chris, uh, we recently did a podcast called The Green Room where we spoke about why does everything have to be standard check based? So on this episode with six traders talking about the standard check, how would you prepare for a standard check? It was the episode in which I solved the uh, DBSA waiting list. Um, so we, we, I, would, I wouldn't. I wouldn't prepare for it. 
Uh, what I would do is make sure that every single lesson matches it because then I don't have to. Um, I My preferred approach is not to know the pupil. I, I, I'm not a big believer on choose the right pupil. Uh, I will happily turn up to the test centre, as Terry suggested, one of his pupils. Uh, I like that. I like a rapid assessment. You end up delivering exactly what they need. People plan for it weeks in advance, and you don't know what they need on the day, as as Phil suggested. Um, you know, you've got to change the plan. Um, so I wouldn't prepare. I'd make sure I was ready, as in I, know, I knew what a good lesson was, because that's all it's about. Um, and I'm probably the only one in the room that can't quote all of the 17 competencies because I don't care about them enough. Excellent. Um, and yes, we solved it together, Chris. Not not you. We. <laughs> it was recorded. It's heavily edited is what it was. Um, you okay. did the maths for me. Yes, yes, with a calculator. Uh, Neil, um, now... I'm going to ask you the same question, um, and I'm also going to chuck in there that if only there was some kind of book we could refer to to help us with preparation for a standards check. <laughs> yeah, that would be my book, Untwisting the Road to Success, because I believe that when you take a standards check the day after the training starts again, whether you pass or fail, you work oh. down the competencies that you were lowest on, not particularly with a pupil, but with yourself, so you know the national standards around that competency and you work on that and reflect on that until you feel comfortable that you know what you're doing with that and then move to the next one. I'm not a big believer that you can remember all 17 at the same time. So you just choose individual ones and work on them until you're better and better with them. And that way you gain a better knowledge of the, the standards check form as well. And you start to improve yourself. Excellent. Uh, and then finally, we're going to ask Emma, how would you prepare for the standards check? Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind with this was I'm preparing every day, similar to what the other guys have said. So every every lesson you're delivering, you're preparing, or you should be. Um, I Chris, the way Chris goes in, that would be my worst nightmare. So I think it's about knowing yourself as well, because if you if you give me a quiz of 10 questions and I had a month to learn them and I knew those answers inside out, I would still be nervous going into the test because that's just who I am. So it's about knowing who you are, knowing and things like for me, I know mindfulness, meditation, all that type of stuff works for me. Hydration, like Bob says, I'm massive on that. I know when I've not had the right amount of water or whatever per day. So I think it's about knowing yourself. and then. For us as a team, we we actually regularly assess ourselves against each competency. So we, we we have like a team thing where we where they've got sheets where they'll do a full week of just assessing themselves on one competency as a reflection for that week. So I would maybe do something like that and maybe get a trusted colleague to review one of my lessons. Oh. Well, <laughs> I'm getting good at that being on the button, Anna. Yes, <laughs> um, we like that. And we'll be back with the last two questions from this 6460 episode in just a moment because we are taking a brief pause to give a shout out to the latest sign-ups to the Instructor Podcast. And they are Wazim Akram, Razvana Sagir, Joe Hill and Patricia Patalina. 
uh, another few names there that I have quite possibly butchered. So if I have butchered your name there, I wholeheartedly apologize. But these are the latest sign-ups to instruct the podcast premium, and they get immediate access to over 100 trainings aimed specifically for driving instructors, including the latest, which was Being Better with Bob Moore, where we spoke for almost an hour about goal-setting for driving instructors, including a very specific light bulb moment for myself. And that's available to both listen in audio podcast format or to watch on video as well. As I said, there's over 100 trainings in that that vault already. But you also get discounts for some amazing places such as Bob Morton's Client Set of Learning, the ADI PDI Doctor, the Guild of Mindful Drivers, Go Roadie, and Coaching for Geeks. So loads of exclusive discounts over there as well. All available for just a £10 a month subscription. But if you want to step up your personal or professional development game even more, then you can upgrade to the next tier, which is the £22 tier, where you get all of that awesome stuff I've just mentioned. Plus, you get to come and watch shows live. You get to join in with some specific podcasts. You also get to attend the expert sessions, which are presentations delivered by experts in their field, specifically for my premium members. And you get to jump in at the problem solver sessions, which I have for a month, where basically I'll open my Zoom room up and you can come in and get your problems solved. And it's been fascinating seeing some of the, the, the problems people have been coming in with recently. So uh, very much enjoyable. And the best way to find out more or sign up to that is to head over to the website, www.theinstructorpodcast.com. But for now, let's dive back into the show. All right, I should have mentioned this earlier, but I'm going to mention it specifically for these next two questions. In the, these questions, I have intentionally worded quite ambiguously, almost, to leave it slightly to your interpretation. So, question number five, and we're going to start with Phil on this one. How and when do you decide whether to change the focus of a lesson? Um, My spidey senses. Um, they start tingling and so I decide to change something. Um, so I, I think that is it. You just get a feeling basically there's obviously going to be big moments. Um, say for critical instances, something like that, that you need to change and, and adapt the lesson to deal with what has happened. But also there's more subtle, um, stuff going on, the pupil doing well, or the pupil struggling slightly, that you need to just tweak those dials a little bit, up that level of instruction, change that. So that is still changing the, the focus of the lesson slightly. Um, so yeah, I think it's just getting a feel, constantly sort of refreshing that idea in my head of, is this going well? Like, is, is this working for the pupil? Um, and also, don't set a black and white rule of like whether we have to pull over and things like that, which I hear a lot of. Um, I've got time to explain my, my reason why, but um, don't <laughs> basically. Here we go. Um, two people have hit the buzzer now. That was delayed for some reason. Uh, all right, cool. So, Bob, how and when do you decide whether to change the focus of a lesson? Um, well, there's, there's two sort of main ways that's going to happen. One, a safety critical incident might happen. Or two, things just aren't going the way we were expecting. So we should have, before we start any activity, we should have a bit of an idea about what's the outcome we're expecting here. And if we're not getting what we expect, then we need to change what we're doing. So that might be a change in activity, i.e. different level of support, uh, different level of challenge. Or it may well be that you know, our learner just isn't, isn't at the races today. 
and we need to just back off and do something a bit simpler. Um, so it's, again, it's touching on what Phil said, it's intuition. You know, if things aren't working the way you're expecting them to work, you've got to ask yourself the question, do we need to do something different here or do something differently? So it's, it's just, you know, if you're not getting what you expect, change it. Uh, yeah, excellent. So we're going to go to Chris with the same question. How and when do you decide whether to change the focus of a lesson? I'm going to include two different things. So the first one would be chunking the lesson in the first place. So breaking it into probably 10 minutes for me works really well, but that kind of section so that you pause and reflect and go, do I need to change it? Because people get focused, they get fixed uh, time-wise and they, they suffer because they're under pressure. So have a timer and a buzzer go off if you need it, but break it into those sections. So not a big, you know, red one, but... Uh, break it to those sections so that you you naturally build in that reflection and potential change. And then the other thing is to look at things like a pyramid. So if you like, you can have a kind of GDE pyramid where you've got your, your controls and, and car at the bottom of it and work your way up from there. But if it's beneath what you're doing, so whatever, you're, whatever you is going wrong is below that in the pyramid, then you probably need to drop the level and change things. Although these answers are starting to fill up them 60 seconds now. It's getting good. And I've just clocked Terry's top, which is really cool. Oh, the Star Trek? Uh, yes. yes. There you go. Um, it was just the I, yellow top until you leant backwards. I, I'd forgotten it until you pointed it out. Um, oh, okay. Uh, Neil, same question. How and when do you decide whether to change the focus of a lesson? Yeah, I, I think it's more intuition. It's... Uh just getting that tingle shall we say that this ain't quite right or it's going too well uh so a big one for me is body language you know a lot of things can be said from body language whether they're uncomfortable or whether this is now starting to be too easy because they start to smile and enjoy it a bit more so then just ramping it up a little bit so it, it comes down to various things and different trainers will use different track techniques but for me it's just watching the student and watching their body language. And if something does go wrong to start with, that might just be a bit of nerves. And then we might just start to think about changing it then. If it starts to happen again, so two strikes and you're out, let's change. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Emma next. Uh, same question. How and when do you decide whether to change the focus of a lesson? Um, when the people tell me so. And, and I don't mean as in they're going to tell me that the lesson needs to be changed, but same as what Neil's just said, really, body language, when they change, they might verbalise it, I suppose. But um, more for me, it's 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 building that rapport enough with your learner that you know them well enough that there's something not right, uh, whether it be because it's it's now too challenging and things are going wrong for them or it's it's easy and they're now showing signs that they're really bored because they're not paying attention to the road anymore because they're bored and what's with what's going on so um yeah i think it comes down to aware of their actions how they're behaving and find out what's going on excellent and i'm uh 
frantically scanning the screen saying if you guys look bored and if I need to give you some attention but we're all looking okay so fast that's good um, but we are going to come lastly on this question to Lee so same question how and when do you decide whether to change the focus of a driving lesson um, I think you know a good principle to use is to always base your focus originally on your learner's kind of number one priority need um, and this way by design you're flexible rather than working on like a set thing um, and if new needs manifest themselves in the form of mistakes that your learner's making, then you need to weigh the new need versus the current focus and decide, is the new need more of a priority than the existing need? And if so, then you can change the focus of the lesson to work on the new priority need. Um, and like if a serious incident happens, then you'll always need to work on that straight away because that's you know more of a pressing need than the one you were working on before. Um, and if something is reoccurring, then I suppose you've got to ask yourself, can we work on this alongside what we're doing? Or is this new thing blocking the pathway for the learner to achieve the original goal? And if so, then work on it alongside what you're doing or or in that case, kind of tackle it first, get it out of the way and then go back to doing what you were doing. Excellent. I'll have one second, the full 60. Um and I will just say for anyone listening, if you don't listen to the Dipod, which is a driving instructor's podcast, it's been going for about 12 years, definitely check it out. I listen to it every month. I've got a lot of time for those guys. However, they should definitely be listening to this section of the show because this is something they argue about every single week. And I think all of those have just clarified it an awful lot better than uh, better than they do. Can we just address the fact that Emma doesn't want her pupils to be bored, but Neil doesn't want his pupils to be happy? <laughs> <laughs> No, like a bit of pressure, Chris. And <laughs> um, <laughs> um, me not paying attention and picking that up. <laughs> Whatever. Um, all right, so we're on to the final question, which is how do you maintain your normal relaxed self while trying to self-monitor your performance against the competencies? I am going to mention this one, this one actually. This is specifically, I forget the, the person's name, but a specific question that was sent to me. Um, how do you maintain your normal relaxed self while trying to self-monitor your performance against the competencies? We're going to come to you on first on this one, Bob, because I know you always get nervous around this stuff, so you're probably a good person to ask. <laughs> It's, I think it's about, you know, and we've all touched on it, about working the same way all the time. So it's having a system that, that, that delivers, you know, client-centered learning and just doing that all the time. And if you're working that way, if it's something that's really familiar to you, you're not going to get quite as stressed about it. Again, I'm adding in the stuff about, you know, hydration and getting the right levels of sleep. Um, learn to become more reflective, I think, is always a help so you can monitor for yourself you know, where you're at in the, in the pantheon of things. So it's it's just working the way you would do normally is not going to make you stressed. Um, and then looking to deal with the stress that you're feeling, how does it manifest itself? And then learning some relaxation techniques um, to alleviate it. And the NHS website has a fantastic segment on it about dealing with anxiety and stress and loads of little techniques that you can use. So learn what works for you. Excellent. So, uh, same to you, Chris. How do you maintain your normal, relaxed self while trying to self-monitor your performance against all of those competences, including the extra ones we've added on today? Um, ignore all the competencies. Uh, if people want to know how to do that, get in touch. 
Um, and yeah, you don't need to. It's making it way more complicated. If you go to the doctor, you go, look, I've got a rash, and you want them to tell you, is it going to kill you or what do you need to treat it? You don't need to know the long technical words and names. It's not important. You just need to know the basics of how to deliver that good lesson. And then the rest of it, down to the DVSA, don't worry about it. Um, If you want the best advice, and this works for every instructor I've ever met, what advice would you give your pupil about their driving test? And do that because we get paid to sit there and tell you what you would have told your pupil in the first place. So there's enough mirrors in the car. Look in one of them. Ask yourself the question. I bet you've got a spot-on answer. Excellent. I love the little bit of self-promotion going on there as well. In fact, I will just say that when we put this up and ask for questions to people submit, there were a few people having a bit of a dig saying, um, you know, well, these guys won't want the standard check taken away. They're just after earning money. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's their job. They're here to help. And you are helping a lot today. Maybe I'm going to tag a secret question on the end about that. Um, you okay, so- You don't have to buy it. <laughs> I, that's the first point. I heard that we were, be, we were being paid to be here. That sounds good. Oh no, no! no. I, I will treat you all to a smile. Um, <laughs> okay, so Neil, how do you maintain your normal, relaxed self while trying to self-monitor your performance against the competencies? I think it comes down to a bit of self-awareness. So when I learned to be a life coach, it uh, gave me an insight of being more self-aware. And knowing what I was going to do and how I do things. Because uh, normally I would just be a gibbering wreck for three days before the standards check and then five minutes before just kick into action. So it's being aware of yourself and knowing what you've, you've got to do. Just deliver your normal lesson so it's running nice and smooth with what you're going to do on the day. And just follow your own intuitions. Excellent. And Emma, you are someone that is up on all the woo-woo and voodoo stuff. So um, same question to you. I've been called woo-woo twice today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, exactly exactly that. I, I am definitely going to go down the woo-woo route because I think that's how I've gone down that route in the first place. It's knowing yourself. If you don't know yourself, how on earth are you possibly going to change things for yourself when things go wrong? So or when you're put in a situation that is abnormal to your normal day, you know, and this is this is abnormal to normal day. We, you know, we are all saying, look, you should be doing your driving lessons like it is a standard check every day. But ultimately, you don't have somebody from the DVSA potentially with your livelihood on the line every single day. So it is different. And I think it's knowing that how you're going to be in that scenario knowing yourself well and put yourself in that scenario as much as possible do mock tests get somebody in the back of your car if you know that you're not going to you know fare well with somebody in the back of your car on that day excellent and uh coming to lee with the same question how do you maintain your normal relaxed self um i think we've kind of touched on it already that i think something we should all do it's something we should all do all the time because um, I'd say you can't really maintain normality until it is normal, like every lesson, like every day, um, until you start monitoring yourself against what you're up against, like the competences, and it it's not normal, and you'll always struggle to do that. So I think 
you know, something that Bob talks about is, you know, the, the human learning cycle that if you're, if you're unconsciously competent at something, then you're going to do it without thinking and it just happens naturally. So if it becomes part of your normal routine to look how you fared versus the competencies last lesson before your new learner gets there and then you conduct the new lesson and then you score yourself against competencies again and then compare and contrast and it quickly becomes normal and then more relaxed. Um, but I'd say focus on the key competencies first because your head can go into a bit of a shed if you're trying to look at all 17 at once. Good stuff. And then finally to you, Phil, same question. So I, I thought about this question slightly differently in the sense of not during the standards check, but while you're trying to improve yourself, how can you be normal whilst also improving yourself? From a standards check point of view, don't try and comp like compare yourself to the competencies. It's not your job. That's the examiner's job. You just give a lesson. Um, from a point of view of trying to improve yourself, I'm with Chris on this. I don't talk about the competencies while I'm doing training. I talk about delivering a better lesson. Um, to do that whilst also staying yourself and and keeping your personality and being normal and relaxed during the lesson, take it step by step. So don't try and fix it all at once. So fix um, a bit like Emma said earlier about like, but with one competency, but pick pick us something you're going to get better at this week. Questions or um, self analysis or setting the goals at the start of the lesson. Just pick one thing and and get better at that until it becomes normal. Excellent. Um, that was the last question. Just before I move on any further, I'm going to take a moment to say to anyone listening, there's some fucking gold right there. Seriously, especially in the last three questions about the actual practicality of the standards check. Seriously, just, just save this in your phone. Get your standard check coming up. When you find out, well, do it anyway, obviously. As everyone said, prepare, blah, 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 blah. But when you've got your standard check coming up, go back and listen to this again. Doesn't just get my download numbers up, but it'll help you pass a standards check. Really, really good stuff. So, lots of stuff has been said, and I have given none of you any opportunity to come back or retort. So, would anyone like 60 seconds to come back either to respond to anyone or add anything? I just want to say that I've just noticed that Bob's clock stopped. I don't want to just realise. <laughs> He thought it would get him an extra 60 seconds. We <laughs> <laughs> just sat there thinking, God, the time's dragging. Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> That's why he looks so young. <laughs> I mean, I must admit that clock's just beneath that. where it says I'm recording. And I keep checking it's still recording and seeing the clock and having a slight panic. Um, <laughs> but... Okay, so no one wants to come back. No uh, yes, back. I'll go on. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. 60 seconds. Go for it. I firstly want to acknowledge that I didn't think Lee would be the one wanting normality. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that was going to be bottom of the list. But um, yes, I, I, no, I just want to agree with what everybody said, um, but that um, we should let the DBSA do their job and we should just all be awesome all the way through everything that we do, every lesson, every day, every pupil. That will do me. 30 seconds was enough. Thank you. Awesome. Not a lot of use that word. We'll have complaints. Uh, anyone else have any retorts or anything you'd like to add on before I move on to the final bit? I, I'm I'm just going to steal Emma's little um, uh, getting her instructors to do one comp a, a week or, or one task a week. I love that. So my, if any of my instructors are listening, sorry. <laughs> You're about to get worse. No, I, I would like to say it's not compulsory to all Phil's instructors. It's not compulsory. It's just something that is given to them. <laughs> Most definitely, it's compulsory. 
Yes. And uh, I'll just give a shout out for Emma and Phil's instructors. So if you sign up to the Instructor Podcast Premium, there is a standard check- checklist where you can go and listen to a breakdown of all the competencies. So, uh, yeah, cheap plug. Uh, all right. So, the last thing I'm going to get you guys to do, and I'm going to go around in the same order we've just been around. So, I'm going to start with you, Bob. I want you, I'm going to give you 60 seconds, and they're going to tell us why you are awesome and where people can find you. Well, I'm awesome because my mum says I am. <laughs> and people can find me at clientcenteredlearning.co.uk. Uh, if you want to look at any of my stuff, it's clientcenteredlearning.co.uk forward slash courses forward slash masterclasses. Excellent. Uh, so we're going to go to Chris next. Why are you awesome and where can people find you? Um, I'm awesome because Terry keeps having me back. Um, so he, it's it's purely down to him. Um, so I, people can find me all over the place. Um, Chris Benstead, B-E-N-S-T-E-D, no A, dot co dot UK. Um, if you're interested in business coaching, improving your business, um, the DITC.co.uk, if you want to find stuff for the industry, theorytestexplained.co.uk, if you want help with your theory test and anything else, just find me on Facebook. I'm happy to chat. Excellent. Same to you, Neil. Why are you awesome and where can people find you? Uh, so I'm awesome because I'm an individual uh, and people can find me at Neil Whiteman one at sky.com or in the audit Academy on Facebook uh, and they can use my untwisting a road to success book to keep them ticking along on a daily basis and then if they need any further training they can just get in touch with me right. Emma, why are you awesome and where can people find you? I'm awesome because you keep telling me I'm awesome. <laughs> that's, great. that's what I'm going with because I, I never take the praise normally. Um, so you can find me in three different places. Um, the driving school is Up Driving School and people often ask me why and that's mainly because I'm a big Disney nerd. So and it's my favourite Disney film. So that's purely it. Um, so that's updrivingschool.co.uk. Um, I also have the Learner Driver Logbook and that's the learnerdriverlogbook.co.uk. And if you are into the woo-woo, which is the the, the uh, route I'm starting to go down, um, you can also find me at Freedom Holistics and Coaching on Facebook and Instagram. Excellent. And Lee, why are you awesome? And where can people find you? Um, I'm, I'm not that awesome. I'm very overrated. Um, but uh, if you, if, um, you know, I, I, what I'd say to people is that if you're, if you're looking for help, then, you know, read, do your study first, read the ADI one, read the, you know, national standard. And then if you want that translating into proper Northern English, um, then let me know and I can help. Um, so you can find me at adidoctor.co.uk or pdidoctor.co.uk if you're a PDI um, and on Facebook and on Instagram and uh, the other ones, just not on TikTok. I'm uh, not on that yet. Um, I'm not silly enough to be on TikTok. Um, but yeah, so if you need any help, then let me know. I have Northern, Northern TikTok channels. Proper Northern. Proper Northern. Northern. Yeah. <laughs> We're not having an argument over what's proper North. Um, Anything <laughs> north of the Thames. <laughs> um, all right. So, Phil, why are you awesome and where can people find you? Um, I. I, I, I'm going to book the trend and say I don't think I am awesome. I'm chasing awesome. Um, I tend to say chasing excellence, actually, but we'll go for awesome today. And I think 
that makes you awesome because you're chasing awesome and and so you're constantly trying to be better um you can find me at cowleyschoolofmotoring.com um or facebook instagram i am on tiktok because i am silly enough to be on tiktok <laughs> uh, the um and yeah i'm happy happy to help anyone chuck us a message um i'm also an admin on lou's pdi group so get yourself on there because the other admins are awesome as well and you'll get um, support and help um that you need i think the uh the start of that hurt my head a little bit um but i just want to <laughs> say that i think you are all lovely and awesome you, you've been on the show in one form or another uh, a few times all of you and, and i really appreciate it and you were my my go-to people for this first episode uh, i think you've all been brilliant and i said it before but i think anyone listening to this like i said that that first half felt very it was about the format of the the standard check, almost the, the politics behind it, if you like. But the second half, uh, in particular, some real gold there. So, yes, we'll definitely be sending that first half to the DVSA. And the second half should be mandatory listening for, for all ADIs and PDIs. Uh, anyone want to give any final comments before we disappear? I think it's been fun. We should do it again. Hmm? Hard work organizing you a lot. We've got a group now, though. So maybe we'll just leave this group. Maybe we could just do that. We'll leave this group. Uh, because I was thinking we could do it with different people. We'll swap people in out, but we'll just leave this group and do it once every three or four months and uh, we'll see where we go. But no, appreciate it, guys. Thank you for your time. Uh, it's, it's great having you on. So big thank you there to Lee, Emma, Phil, Neil, Chris, and Bob. Uh, really enjoyed that episode, and I hope you did too. It, you will have heard at one point during it, I got a tiny bit sweary and expressed how much gold there was in that episode. And I just can't get my head around sometimes how giving some of these people are. The, the, there were some comments online when I was uh, asking for questions about this uh, to, to submit for this podcast. And there were some comments around, you know, people just out to make money and making a living off this stuff and then living off other people's misfortune and all that kind of stuff. And I just think there is an element of truth to that. Of course they are. The, these people are, are making a, a living, helping people deliver better driving lessons and, and pass a standards check. You know, to a degree, I'm doing the same with the Instructor Podcast Premium, but I just think all of them are so giving with their time. And they came in and gave some absolute gold. And I just think it's one that it's an episode that we should be saving. And it's an episode that we could potentially could be coming back to two or three times a year and, and almost checking in with ourselves a little bit um, just to, to keep ourselves on the right track. So, yeah, big thank you to your, uh, to those guys there. And again, I just want to point you in the direction of two things. So first of all, the instructor newsletter. I mentioned this at the start of the show. I would love it if you signed up. First of all, you will get all the notifications for the show. I'm aiming to send an email out every Sunday with the show, with the data for the show, uh, with uh, with show notes, uh, with links and all that kind of stuff. And then there'll be another one or two emails a week with some news and blogs and that kind of stuff. So I'm aiming not to overdo it, and I want it to be productive. Plus, if you sign up now, you'll be getting news and updates first for the Instructor Meganar, which is taking place on August the 3rd. And it's going to feature nine speakers uh, for about three hours, probably overrun slightly, let's face it. You know, I've got to be realistic about this, especially since I'm the one that's going to be running it. So it could all go disastrously wrong yet. But uh, nine different speakers 
and the Currently, uh, eight of which are confirmed. So it's looking good, and I'm delighted uh, and looking forward to sharing those with you. But also want to take a moment to point you towards the website, www.theinstructorpodcast.com. Over there, you'll find out all the details for the show, including all the free stuff I do and the paid stuff. So the two levels are premium, £10 and £22. And as we go forward, I will keep you updated on the Megan art over there as well. But for now, just allow me to say thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it, especially to those of you that go and click subscribe, and especially to those of you that hang about all the way to the end. You are my favorite humans. You get the A star. So thank you. And remember, if you're not enjoying your lessons, you're doing them wrong. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.